This podcast may contain explicit language and themes, so listener discretion is advised. Ill-advised, misinformed, our half-baked opinions will be performed. Are you ready? Is the mic on? Welcome to the Hill to Die On. You're listening to A Hill to Die On, a podcast hosted by two stubborn and shit Aussies who give hot takes on a different topic, go away to dig deeper, and then reconvene to share whether or not their hot take hill was worth dying on. We're your hosts, boys from Brazil, Josie Spicer and Kara Brooks. This episode, we're asking the question, is the body positivity movement actually positive? Before we get started, though, we would like to welcome some new Patreon subscribers. So first, we have an amazing Golk. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, thank you, Taylor. No banner, only Gulk. Thanks, Taylor. Then another amazing Gulk, uh, Zainab. No banner, only Gulk. Thanks, Zainab. Thanks, Zainab. And lastly, we have a, a former amazing Gulk who was actually a Franiel, but the Franiels are now amazing Gulks. So an, an amazing Gulk who upgraded to a Fanny Candida is Chris. Thanks, Chris. Welcome, Chris. Welcome into the fold of the Fanny Candidas. <sighs> Thanks, Chris. Yes. So, Josie, is the body positivity movement actually positive? Yes. And as always, there's an asterisk because you got to kind of qualify <laughs> that. That's the point of this fucking podcast. I have my own personal criticisms that I'll touch on soon, but I feel like I not only want to dig deep into like my own criticisms this episode basically i'll be speaking as if i'm not just chatting to you if that makes sense like i feel like you understand that weight doesn't equate to health Mm -hmm. and i don't think you're a a concern troll who's like commenting on fat women's photos saying like oh you should be ashamed of yourself or aren't you worried about your heart (laughs) but i kind of do want to address people who may at least agree with those sorts of comments if that makes sense yeah So why do I think the body positivity movement is actually positive? Well, I'm seeing a variety of bodies in more and more publications. When I go shopping online, I'm seeing models of all different shapes and sizes. I'm starting to see fat women at the beach enjoying themselves, which is very new for me. I'm seeing clothing brands selling garments that accommodate for more bodies. I'm seeing social media posts by people with like visual differences, loving their bodies and posting outfit photos. I certainly did not see any of that maybe like 10 years ago. Uh, Certainly not as a teenager growing up on the internet. The work that body positivity activists are doing seems difficult as it almost is always met with a backlash of people who are either being like blatantly fat phobic or are like disguising their fat phobia under the guise of like being concern trolls which I don't know if you've come across that term Kara. I can imagine what it is but yeah. Yeah acting like they genuinely care about your well-being but it's really just actually having a dig at you. I'm sure I've mentioned on the podcast before, but I was fat all of my life up until August of 2017. I had bariatric surgery, went from 110 kilos to 55 kilos, and it's totally changed my life. I'm personally in less pain, but mostly the benefits have come from being able to navigate through the world with less hostility being directed at me. No one makes animal sounds at me from their cars anymore. People are nicer to me. Yeah, so that's like the only real health concern was like pain, whereas everything else was social. Yes, exactly. Like, otherwise, at that point, I had no other health conditions. Um, In fact, I have a chronic illness because of the surgery. And, like, while I don't regret my surgery for a second, like, I can't help but wonder if I grew up in a less 
hostile environment, an environment less hostile to fat bodies, would I have gotten the surgery? Or would I have even been as fat as I was? Because I avoided exercise because of the comments that would be made to me. You know, I turned to food for comfort, so if you're gonna call me fat, I'm gonna eat my feelings. But I don't want the body positivity movement to stop or slow down. I would want it to expand, but there are some points I want to address, and that's people who use the language of the body positivity movement to belittle others or to silence conversations that aren't inherently fat phobic. So this brings me to my asterisks. While I wholeheartedly believe that concern trolling is just polite fat phobia at best, I have seen discussions around diet that have been shut down in the name of battling against fat phobia and embracing body positivity. I've seen conversations around fat diets and detoxes that have been shut down because other people have been saying you're policing fat woman's body or body positivity is about doing what's right for you. You know, because fat women are used to people policing their bodies all the time that when a valid conversation comes up no matter how well-intentioned, I feel like the same language that has been used in the body positivity movement to combat concern trolls are also combating people who are genuinely trying to say, hey, you're promoting a diet or product that is either a scam or can be actually harmful for people. And I don't know how constructive that is. Secondly, I've also seen people who have embraced the body positivity movement but have somehow warped it into something where they are now hostile to anyone who does not either A. Love their own body or B. Is a thin person. Mm. Seeing comments that make reference to real women's bodies or preferring meat on the bone like this isn't new what is new to me is seeing comments that embrace every other type of body but then you're still othering if that makes sense yeah i totally get what it's like to be compared to thin people i have been it my entire life and a large part of me getting surgery is that i was kind of bullied into it like i could not live anymore being in a fat body but i also understand how much it fucking hurts to be on the receiving end of those comments that demean thin people. Now I'm a thin person, I can say that it is the same message that is received of my body isn't enough. My body is unacceptable. Like that yeah. still comes through and that still fucking stings. I've also had conversations with people who have asked for like my advice about bariatric surgery, confiding in me that they feel like they'd be a traitor to the body positivity movement for not being happy with their body or wanting to change it. I try and tell them all the same thing, that body positivity includes honoring your own wishes for your own body. It's about agency and making decisions regarding your own body. As long as you don't project those feelings onto others, you're not being some sort of traitor. The people who use the language of the body positivity movement to further bully or stifle conversation, they are a minority. And I believe that a lot of people who embrace body positivity would call them out on it. But but it exists and it's a smaller conversation that I believe is still worth having. Like despite all this, it doesn't take away from the strides the body positivity movement has made. And I hope to get more into those like achievements in the second half of this episode. Kara, do you have any thoughts or what is your hill? 
do you think that the body positivity movement is positive? In theory, yes. In practice, no. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is because my position, you know, my view of it is going to be different to a lot of people who are actively involved within that movement because I am someone that's othered from it. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, that's like a, oh, poor me and my privilege. But, you know, I am someone who's quite on the opposite end of that hill where I have struggled with eating disorders a lot of my life. I have had many issues with my body and certainly not positive experiences with my body in general. But I've certainly received comments on the other end of that. Uh, So whether it's you are too thin, like you need to eat more, you need to do this, you need like just constant policing Mm -hmm. of your body. And then the times where you do gain weight, people feel they can comment on that and it's okay when it's really not. And I think in general, like, yeah, body positivity seems like a great idea. Like it's a nice idea to think that you could be happy in yourself, but a lot of people aren't and a lot of people are never going to be. And I don't think the onus should be on them to just have to accept themselves as they are, especially if there's things that changing would make them happier. Mm -hmm. For instance, like I can say, you know, although I haven't had weight loss surgery in the same way I have had plastic surgery in which I had the size of my legs reduced and that was more to do with a gender issue for me to have my legs look less feminine but overall it made my life significantly better I tried for fucking 32 years to accept my body as it was which Mm -hmm. was extremely feminine and I just couldn't I absolutely could not no amount of therapy no amount of anything was going to make me okay with it Mm -hmm. and so ultimately I paid ten thousand dollars to have it look different and I I would not take back a cent of it. To me, it was the best money I ever fucking spent because I actually feel comfortable. Yes. The thought that I would be shamed for that is pretty disheartening, to be honest. And I feel like a lot of trans people would... See, this is the problem with that movement to me is that it should be fully inclusive and it, it somehow gets warped into just fat acceptance instead of full body positivity. And I think body positivity should mean everyone and it should be the full gamut of like race, gender, size, thing. like any sort of ability level, everything is... If one person should be happy with their body, then everyone deserves to be... Um, And it shouldn't be like, I get to feel better about it because I'm bigger. And I think a lot of the time, maybe the issue that I have with it is that I feel that it gets put on as a mask. And when I say that, I mean that you get people who are clearly very unhappy in their body, who then put on like, you know what, I'm going to try and feel better about my body. Therefore, I am going to be a part of this movement. And in doing so, they actively push this movement, but underneath they are just really struggling. And it's because they've taken on the onus of like, it's my responsibility to feel good about this, despite how much society is telling me mm-hmm. it's not good, you know, and that's hard. That's fucking hard. And they shouldn't have to wear that. Like it's society that should be changing, not them. And I think the difficulty in that ownership is really hard. Absolutely. Can you think of any examples or any encounters in particular around body positivity that you felt didn't include you? Yeah. Like a lot of it is that sort of stuff. Like real women look like X, Y, Z. And just knowing that you can't share things in the same way that other people share things because it's going to be viewed differently. Um, Like, I think I would get a very different reaction if I were to post pictures in my underwear on my Instagram versus friends that post pictures in their underwear on their Instagram just because we have very different bodies and the intent for it would seem very different even though funnily enough I probably feel often as bad 
in my body as they are when they're posting their pictures. <laughs> um, but I think the perception is very different on, on how society would view that. I'm very aware of how different that perception would be because of the reactions I have received in the past from people when I've confided in them that I've had struggles with my body or eating disorders or whatever the case may be. And they're mm-hmm. like, but why? Like, why do you feel that? Or like, why would you think you need to lose weight? Or why would you feel that? You know, like they just don't understand that it's not actually to do with, <laughs> it's more in your head than it is to do with how you're physically looking. Absolutely. And you can be, you can look healthy and be extremely unhealthy. Oof. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the line between like mental and physical health, they're very different things and you can have both. You can have neither, you can have one or the other, mm-hmm. um, but they're not as intrinsic as people seem to seem to think. Something you've brought up that I think is really interesting is you saying I don't think the onus should be on the person because it just reminds me so much about victimology. One of my consistent things is that I do not believe that victims should be doing the heavy lifting, that it is everyone else that should be checking themselves. And I I guess this is privilege, right? Mm -hmm. Body positivity, I feel, is so much to do with how you interact with other people, how you treat them, and checking your own behaviour around the way you interact with disabled people, with non-white people, with people with visual difference, with fat people. And and like normalizing that and normalizing your exposure to them. And I think this is the thing, like I understand, and when I say like I'm not having a dig at the people I know that post pictures on Instagram of their bodies, but it's the type of thing where the fact that it's done under the guise of body positivity, I think is what bothers me. Whereas it's like you know, how many people do you see just posting their ass on Instagram that have a great ass or like society says has a great ass, you know, like a stereotypical great ass. But the fact that you can see all of these different bodies, like that's great. That shouldn't be under the guise of a movement. It should just be like, I love when I go to a clothing site and there's all these different models in a range of different bodies and it makes it more interesting and it makes it more like real life. I I feel like people within the body positivity movement would agree that the ultimate goal is that people can post pictures of their body and not say, wow, feeling brave. Yeah, and not elicit judgment. Like, people don't just fucking come out and start giving them advice or telling them how they look. And that's what fucks me off is just, like, policing women's bodies. And it seems to be something that happens a hell of a lot more to women than it does to men, where people just feel entitled to be able to say what they want about your body and it's fucked i think we all at least most women that i know police our fucking own bodies enough that we don't need to like i'm the fucking gestapo of policing my body i don't need someone else commenting (laughs) on that shit trust me whatever you've got to say i've already agonized over it yeah don't don't sweat it i've got this something you said this whole the onus shouldn't be on the individual but rather society i totally agree and this reminds me of the feminist author and scholar Roxane Gay. She had bariatric surgery as well and I remember her Medium article about it and she was just saying, I eventually recognised that she could change herself sooner than society would change. That's why she chose to have bariatric surgery. The goal is to get to a point where someone doesn't have to say, well, they're not going to change quick enough so I'm going to take out all of my stomach. Second of all, it's really interesting that you bring up your own perceptions of your body and how it relates to gender because I definitely 
consciously only follow people within the body positivity movement who are absolutely inclusive. I feel like they've got that covered, but I, I know that I'm very much in a silo. But you do bring up an interesting point because it's like from the outside, people may see that you or hear that you have had surgery to make your legs thinner. And they would see that as you trying to be a, a Victoria's Secret model, like trying to emulate that. But for you, it was a very gender related thing. I got mixed reactions as well when I told people what I was having done because mm. I didn't tell that many people before I went and had the surgery. I didn't actually tell my parents until maybe like two weeks before the surgery. Wow. Just because I was worried about what they might say and if they would try and talk me out of it or just be scared for me or disappointed. And then in the end, I was like, well, fuck, if something happens, I don't want them to find out this way. Like I want to at least be able to explain why I'm doing what I'm doing. But it got the reaction I expected in some ways, which was basically thinking that it was to do with eating disorders. Mm. So it was to do with one to be thinner but the, the reality of it is that the reason I only ever wanted to be thinner was because I was unhappy in my gender so being thin was yeah. the only way I could be not feminine mm -hmm. so yeah I think that was difficult to navigate as well like knowing that you would get mixed reactions and there's your friends that are bigger than you being like well, why are you having this done you know and it seems almost offensive like why would you think something is wrong with your body and that you need to change it the reality is you never know what's going on in someone's head so like there's two things that kind of come up a i can't imagine how many people have felt so hurt by comments about weight and judgments placed on them about whether it's weight loss or other sort of alterations to their body that are very much to do with gender or maybe not even gender but I, people could make comments that are sort of like well that's very superficial of you mm -hmm. it sounds to me like it's really fucking core to who you are and it's how you feel like you i literally drop my arms down now and they don't graze against my hips like that's such a small thing but it's a physical thing that you feel and you're so aware of when it is happening and you hate it happening it's mm -hmm. it's like that mm -hmm. was just a constant reminder of like femininity femininity you know <laughs> and now it's not there yeah so i don't even have to fucking think about it like i can't tell you how refreshing that is but it's so good that you went ahead and did that and i would see that as being body positivity something else that is probably worth talking about there's a couple different things actually to do with privilege and this situation and one is having the money to go have surgery like we've had mm -hmm. or having the healthcare system to go and have surgery like we've had secondly is having it be something that you can change so whether that's due to finances or because it's a, something within your body that you cannot change so for instance with weight you can change it whether it's through surgery whether it's through diet or exercise or however you go about changing it it can be altered in either direction whereas gender it can be as well through surgery through hormones through various things with race with disability it can't. And that's something that I think is like more deserving of body positivity because like, A, it's like nothing's fucking wrong with it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know, man. Like that's something to me that is like the privilege of being able to change when something, just because yes. it makes you uncomfortable to be that way. Mm -hmm. What if something makes you uncomfortable to be that way and it's because society is dictating that this is X, Y, Z and then you still can't change it. 
And that's why body positivity in a, in a true form is fucking important for those people that can't change it. Something that sort of came up a few times with my mum talking to me about it. <laughs> my mum thinks about things pretty deeply. Um, and she had even asked me, and it's a pretty confronting question, I suppose, but she had asked me if part of my reasoning of not wanting to be female or not wanting to be perceived as feminine was more to do with how I was treated for being female and how I get objectified. Like, is that why Mm -hmm. I don't wear makeup? Is that why I dress like a boy? Is that why I do these things? And it's difficult to have to answer that. A cool girl effect. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, it's just overgrown tomboy, I think. But it's difficult (laughs) to have to address that as like, well, for a while I thought maybe, but it's really Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm alone, if I was told that I could spend the rest of my life indoors, like in lockdown, for the next 30 years, fuck, I would be in heaven, first of all. But secondly, I would still want to go through with surgeries that I have planned because I would want to be comfortable within myself, even if no one else was seeing me. And I think that was the real sort of kicker of like, oh no, this isn't about society. This isn't about constructs. This is about physicality and about how I actually feel within my body and what feels right and what feels normal to me. I'm curious to research like what the full criticisms of this movement are, because I think most of the ones that I've seen are to do with promoting different bodies in terms of promoting disability, promoting different sizes, promoting different, you know, skin colors and races and genders and all of that. It's more to do with when it borders too closely to fat acceptance because it's an offshoot of that sort of movement. And I think that's where I've seen like medical professionals and people getting upset. Um, And I'd be interested to know, I guess, more about that, because from what I've seen, a lot of it is to do with saying, well, so many non-communicable diseases and things that we're treating are due to people being overweight. And the more that this is promoted as like, yes, this is a good way to be, the more pressure Mm. it puts on the medical system. And so it's more to do with like, can't we just promote health and promote good mental health and feeling good without promoting promoting like big is beautiful maybe just like anyone is beautiful like I don't know like what the answer is to that and I don't want to see be seen as someone that's like actively body shaming people because that's not what I want to do but it's more just a question of like what's a what's a good way to approach it that doesn't hurt people I suppose so I have a few thoughts on that so I guess the first thing is that I understand that medical professionals might genuinely be concerned right about obesity being a comorbidity for a whole bunch of things I guess the issue is, is that fat acceptance is about, hey, don't try and fix me. Because I do have a book that's like fully cited and referenced and everything called Why Diets Make Us Fat. It was saying that like public comments or comments to people about their weight are negative and like concern trolling them literally does the opposite of what even the best intention person wants for that person. So if you say, oh, hey, you're fat, you should change that. Every time you say that, actually, it kind of does the opposite to the person. So they're just like, nope. Like, people will turn inward and feel alienated. And the less acceptance there is, the more alienated someone is, the less likely they're going to be out and about and engaging with their friends. For sure. And if they, like, eat their emotions, like, if that's, you know, if they cope with emotional eating as an issue, then, like, yeah, if they're getting upset, that's just going to further fuel that in the same way that was like the opposite for me and that if people would comment about (laughs) my body saying I needed to eat more I lose my appetite when I'm upset like it makes Mm -hmm. me nauseous and my stomach turns and I can't eat anything so then it becomes the opposite problem like yeah it's it's still it's fueling the same problem and yeah so I guess it's like I understand that the spirit of fat acceptance is like 
just stop fucking commenting on it. And, like, people can hopefully improve their health outcomes, whether they're fat or not. I think, like, a huge issue and, like, why so many fucking people comment on this shit is that they seem to equate, like oh, you must want me to fuck them. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's like this thing of like, you must be personally attracted to them. Yes. And it's like, it's not about being attracted to them. It's about saying, you know what? They're still a valid person. Opinions are still worthy. That just because they have X, Y, Z different doesn't mean that they're not a valid human being. The validity of someone's like humanity to me calls into question through their actions and their words, not their appearance. And I think that should be the case with fucking everyone. Wow, that's a really bold stance, Kara. <laughs> I know, controversial. It's like so much of the time when you read through those comment threads of people being dickheads, it's like, oh, what, you, am I supposed to think that's hot? I wouldn't fuck that. And it's like, if, you don't have to. She wouldn't fuck you either. Like, no one's asking you to. It's just, it's interesting that it's like one of the few areas where people feel that that's where your health matters. And I know <laughs> that, you know, it's because A, you can see it easily on people. Secondly, uh, because of how many medical conditions are treated supposedly due to being overweight or at least being overweight as a contributor (laughs) to developing conditions but at the same time it's like look at fucking smoking i was a smoker for 10 fucking years and i barely got i only had a couple times where people would make comments to me about it (laughs) whether or not it's like you shouldn't do that or just like a disgusted look in public or something but rarely i don't think in fact maybe not ever there was like a stranger that would come up to me and be like you know what you really need to quit because of did you know that your health blah 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 when it's so much fucking worse for you like i was actively fucking filling my lungs with tar and people like yeah but you know you're thin whatever and that's arguably worse because it's impacting other people whereas like if someone's fat they're fat like it's got nothing to do with that's the thing like (laughs) it's none of anyone's fucking business and the only time it becomes someone else's business is if they develop a medical condition in which they need to seek treatment and then obviously it affects you know the medical system the doctors treating them etc 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 so does mental health man So, Kara, it's been a little while since we asked the question, is the body positivity movement actually positive? To answer that question, I'll be touching on skinny shaming, the promotion of obesity, questions to be asking instead of, is this actually body positive? The mainstreaming of body positivity and capitalism. I'll do all those before I kind of give my summary after you present your findings. And to those listening, yes, I wrote all this down, so it's probably going to sound a little bit scripted because it fucking is. (laughs) First up, we have skinny shaming. So in the first half of this episode, I brought up skinny shaming, and while it's absolutely hurtful to be on the receiving end of it, and there's no excuse to comment on people's bodies in such an awful way, I kind of realised that bringing up skinny shaming in relationship to the body positivity movement is kind of like a fundamental lack of understanding or like an unwillingness to understand what's trying to be achieved overall. Because largely the body positivity movement is about reducing the marginalization and oppression and judgment that people experience specifically due to their body size and there's not a widespread pattern of judgment and like there's not like poorer health outcomes people don't use 
skinniness as a defense for a cop murdering someone unlike one of the cases in the u.s where someone's uh, obesity was used as a a defense for a cop murdering him because well he was gonna die anyway whoa (laughs) Uh uh-huh what the fuck absolutely so many genetic conditions aren't diagnosed because doctors will see the weight of someone and say you just need to exercise instead of actually listening to what they're saying so skinny people can absolutely experience individual cases of that but it's not like a widespread phenomenon Mm -hmm. skinny people aren't perceived as like being less professional or less capable because of their bodies you know skinny people aren't evicted from planes because of the size of their body and skinniness is not often can be but not often used as like a visual gag that portrays being slovenly and and greedy in media kind of to jump straight to the topic of skinny shaming when asking whether or not the body positivity movement is actually positive is kind of like a a defensive reaction you know maybe when someone brings up black lives matter and it's like instead of stopping and thinking what this person is saying some a lot of you know specifically white people will jump to well what about the white people who are killed by police and it's like yeah that's an issue too but that's not really what black lives matter is talking about like this is not about white people so like at best it's a response that someone has when they don't understand the oppressions faced by the marginalized group and at worst it's a rhetorical device used to change the topic to center oneself and to like maybe try and absolve oneself of any feelings of guilt that may occur Mm -hmm. as both a white and as a skinny person i can go through life relatively comfortably and any topic that brings awareness to the privilege that i hold of being comfortable while others aren't can evoke feelings of defensiveness and we see this using again yeah it's not a one-to-one thing people can be obviously both black and fat too so there's like compounding pressions there but you know white fragility in response to any discussion of race rather than engaging with what's actually being said so like it's natural to feel defensive like i feel like it's a learned skill to listen and to not feel defensive about it and i am still working on that skill but it's on those who hold the privilege to sort through that feelings themselves rather than discrediting like an entire movement finally like when it comes to bringing up skinny shaming in a conversation around body positivity it's almost certainly a response to fat activism specifically so like body positivity can and should encompass other bodies that are marginalized so like trans bodies non-white bodies bodies with visual differences like fucking shoot my eyeballs out if i ever say like if someone says hey i'm part of the body positivity movement because of my visual differences and i I don't want to have people refuse to like serve me anymore and then i respond with yeah but sometimes people call me a twig like (laughs) you wouldn't say that to someone like (laughs) who's saying hey i actually love this movement because it helps me like yeah 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 so it's definitely i can see it in myself like i definitely have that reaction and and it's not that i think that when i'm like oh you know it's not nice being skinny shamed it's not in bad faith i think it's a it's also a desire to relate to someone you know you want to say hey like it hurts when people comment on your body but if we're talking about levels of oppression like the entire movement and trying to no longer devalue 
fat bodies on a on a wider level talking about skinniness isn't really helpful in that moment also i think like the times that you've probably been cold that uh, is the exact same reaction on the other end like it's people who are defensive from their lifetime of being oppressed over their body and then that comes out as defensiveness to skinny people you know like it's coming from a, a place of insecurity which i mean all bullying is right yeah i'd agree with you there I mean, like anything, unless you're at extreme ends of the spectrum, you're obviously going to cop it a lot worse, no matter what. But I dare say that even the really skinny, like clearly eating disordered end of that spectrum, often it's met with pity rather than disgust. Or it's like fear, like fear and pity, and maybe a little bit of disgust of like, oh my god, that's Mm -hmm. shocking, like that's horrible. But you feel pity for that person rather than like, ew, what a fat pig. You know what I mean? Like, that's how we're societally conditioned to treat people like that. And I think that's also really indicative of how damaging fat phobia, I guess, is in general. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, I guess you don't, like, you don't make assumptions about the morality of skinny people. And, like, you think, like, wow, they're really unwell. Like, it's really clear that they're unwell. Whereas when you see, like, you know, a 250 kilo overweight person you don't think like wow they're really unwell or you might but maybe not in the same sort of way like you there's just you know there's not as the same level of empathy I suppose um that we're given because we're constantly taught to empathize with skinny people because look at the fucking media promotion of obesity i've had a a lot of conversations with people this week about body positivity movement and also just with myself and reading online about what people have to say and there's so many people who even with the best of intentions will say i don't mind the body positivity movement but it's promoting obesity which isn't healthy and i previously would not have like looked twice at that statement but kind of now, after doing some reading and all that sort of stuff, I could see several parts about that argument that kind of fall flat. So, like, first of all is the mention of health. Health is placed on a pedestal as if it is this singular thing that one should constantly be working to achieve. And that it's attainable. Absolutely! No, you're totally right. This argument, like, totally neglects the fact that for the majority of people... As you just said, health is something that will either never be achieved because it's out of their control or what constitutes health can vary depending on the individual person. So like when you're chronically ill, sometimes just having certain symptoms under control is literally what being healthful is. When you have depression and anxiety, Mm -hmm. not having suicidal ideation and being able to perform daily tasks is what healthful is. And sometimes it can't Mm -hmm. or won't get beyond that. So like healthy as a word, yeah, it's is relative, relative. Like, and, yeah. and just, like, is a loaded concept that also has morality assigned to it. So, like, in the context of the body positivity movement, a person's health is just as much of your business as the size, shape, colour, and ability of someone's body. Secondly, promoting obesity is so absurd to me. Like, so many fat activists point out that the oppressions experienced when you're in a fat body are so awful that why would they be trying to get others to experience discrimination that they're currently experiencing? Like, they're not going to say, hey, you, come and join me in this. Like, they're not. They're not saying that at all. Like, so my understanding of promoting obesity 
obesity was more about young people who were already obese who were then encouraged to not lose weight that's what i my understanding of promoting obesity was rather than like um you know recruiting thin people yeah, into becoming obese. but even then it's still the idea that those teenagers will inherently be healthier or something if they do lose weight when it's actually just these influences are just saying hey you are just as worthy as your peers i don't know how often you know fat activists are saying don't bother losing weight it's it's about trying to mitigate the shame that is felt by these teenagers it is how i see it and the humanity of fat bodies kind of needs to be recognized that that's the fundamental thing so whether or not someone can or cannot change their fatness let alone whether or not they want to it doesn't actually matter it's fundamentally about the way that others treat fat people now i know like that there might be some people listening who are like itching to point out areas of the internet where there are fat activists who are actually doing probably what you could you would call promoting obesity and what they're doing is not only gatekeeping but they're spreading misinformation and that is the fundamental issue so like there are some fat activists who are prominent in different spaces who deny the existence of eating disorders and claim <laughs> that it's just diagnosed fat phobia that is quite literally medically incorrect and harmful wait as in like they think that overeating as an eating disorder is i'm confused like or just all eating disorders oh oh not only is binge eating disorder absolutely not an issue but like anorexia and bulimia are just diagnosed fat phobia like Whoa. it's just someone who who just is so scared of being fat it's it's something that a person can control which i'm sure you know and and i do too uh as someone who used to have bulimia and binge eating disorder no like absolutely outside things can influence that but it's not just deciding like often the the root of it has nothing to do with fat it's just how it manifests it's more to do with yeah. like i know for me with like anorexia it was a control thing it's like it just happened to manifest in that way from a very young age like when i was losing mm -hmm. you know, didn't have control over my choices and that's one of the very few things as a kid you can control so it really mm -hmm. becomes like yeah it's not about yeah how you look as well. like i didn't even know what fat was when i was already not eating at school so yeah also it has to be upsetting you know, fat people can have eating disorders too. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. And not just binge eating. It's like fat people can be bulimic. Like, they can be anorexic. They can have restrictive eating and stuff. Like, you never know what's actually going on. And it's like part of it could be that they've fucked up their metabolism from all the restrictive eating, which has then made them gain weight. Like, yeah, you never really know someone's situation. Yeah. Regardless of a person's body size, if anyone begins to say that mental illnesses aren't real... <laughs> then they're promoting misinformation and that should be shut down. I don't have any exceptions for that. And that's, I guess that's the other point with what you were saying about like myth of promoting obesity is like, like what's the solution anyway? It's like, even if they were promoting obesity, if you were telling these young people like, no, no, you need to lose weight, you need to be healthy, which to be honest is what they're being inundated with constantly anyway. Mm -hmm. um, that just leads to even more unhealthy patterns than the obesity itself, which is eating disorders, which is mental health issues, which is like anorexia has the highest fucking mortality rate of any mental illness. Jesus fucking Christ.
And it's sort of like often, just from what I've noticed, is people saying, well, this is promoting obesity, is often in response to just pictures of fat people's bodies, not even to do with the text. Yeah. It's fundamentally implying that fat people should not be seen. Because yeah. even if you saw a fat person at the shops, they're promoting obesity. No, they're just fucking getting <laughs> groceries. Well, that's the thing. It's representation versus promotion. It reminds me of just like, again, like people like Alex Jones, who, you know, there's a, a gay politician or a gay actor on a show and they're like, oh, they're trying to turn our children gay. And it's like, no, <laughs> not really. Not at all. I've seen some people who use, like, some use a smoking analogy about promoting obesity. Like, what's like promoting smoking? There was a literal, expensive, well-planned marketing campaign, many of them, in fact, convincing people to smoke because yeah. it was profitable. <laughs> These are two Look different things. Look at the things. fucking, even, like, the Twilight Zone. Like, Rod Serling's fucking smoking through the whole fucking thing. Like, he's, he's the coolest dude ever. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, watching that after I quit smoking, I was like... Ah, fuck, even he's making me want a cigarette and I don't even smoke anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hopefully no one who is obese came on screen because then I know that you just wanted to have a fat body straight away. So basically no part of I don't like promoting obesity, it isn't healthy, that doesn't stick when you kind of dissect it. And, you know, getting back to the people who are what I would say are closest to promoting obesity who are spreading misinformation these are outliers and it's so disingenuous to use outliers as a way to disregard an entire movement i think of um say you know there are people who scam welfare does that mean that everyone shouldn't have welfare it's such a typical thing to use outliers a few outliers as a way to discredit an entire thing that at a macro level would be net positive. Or it's like, it's not directed at me, therefore my feelings are more important mm-hmm. and I don't like that I'm uncomfortable. It always makes me think, like, same with like Black Lives Matter, that cartoon that was going around, you know, they're hosing down the house that's on fire and there's a dude standing next to it whose house isn't on fire and he's like, what about my house? Yes, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> you know, it's um... like, you don't need to hose it down. Like, it's not on fucking fire, dude. And that's like exactly with like thin bodies. It's like, yeah, they they matter as well, of course. They're not on fire right now. Then the next part is questioning whether or not something is body positive. As I mentioned before, there are some instances where people are spreading misinformation or are sharing a message that could harm those reading it under the body positivity movement sort of uh, umbrella. This isn't exclusive to fat activism and body positivity by any stretch but I wanted to bring this up because while reading about body positivity and fat activism I came across a piece written by Aubrey Gordon who is an author and the host on the podcast Maintenance Phase. The piece is titled Five Questions to Ask instead of Is This Really Body Positive? And the direct link to the piece will be in the show notes. In this piece Aubrey briefly brings up the fact that the actual definition of what body positivity is is like an ongoing debate and one that she herself actually shies away from. So to quote, Rule books become dogmas. Dogmas need leaders. Those leaders become gatekeepers. And ultimately, we recreate the siloed rhetoric that brought us here. Mm. For her, it's as simple as she's trying to build a world where the value of fat folks' experiences are valued just as much as thin folks is like no exceptions aubrey then made a list of several questions she asks herself when she catches herself wondering whether or not something is actually body positive 
she doesn't want to create a dogmatic, oppressive space. I found this list useful uh, myself in this past week for my own judgments when it comes to the body positivity posts I've seen on Instagram and also my own conduct around how I talk about my own body and stuff. So I'm just going to list the questions here, but each point is delved into a little deeper in the article itself. First question, have I asked for feedback? So basically, have you asked anyone with different experiences to you whether a particular behavior or activity harms them? So second of all, who does this harm? This question considers who could be materially harmed by an activity and where the power is between the different parties. Okay, so let's call someone Cassie. And Cassie is a, a fat activist, but is one of these people who are spreading misinformation saying that mental illnesses don't exist. Fuck you, Cassie. No, sorry. Cassie's a shithead. <laughs> so who does Cassie harm? She could materially harm people who are looking at her posts if they have eating disorders or mental illnesses and she's telling them that their experiences are just them being scared of fat people. Mm-hmm. Or even if they know people who have eating disorders or like, and then they start to believe it and mm-hmm. then their relationships are affected by that or yeah, like it has huge ramifications. So that's like the first part of it and the second part is the power. If, if Cassie has a huge following or a lot of fans that, you know, if you said something, they would dogpile you. There's a lot of power there, so it's like you can't sort of talk back to it, or maybe yeah. they, she holds a lot of influence. Third, who benefits from the, this activity and how? So this could be about financial benefit or about perpetuating the status quo rather than lifting up those who have been historically marginalised. So or Cassie might also sometimes post pictures of her body with body positivity language, but you'll see that it's sponsored by a nutrition app or Uh, a detox tea or something like that. Not saying that it's good or bad that someone is making money off this, but it's certainly something to be like, hey, hold on, am I being sold something here? And then fourth is, who does this exclude? Pretty self-explanatory. And then fifth is, at whose expense does this come? Does this activity or behavior rely on using other bodies as perceived failures? So inherently skinny shaming in that post? or uh, inherently being ableist in that post? And again, is there an underlying power imbalance? So basically I included this list in here because I found it a useful tool to change my own habits of judgment, but also like it exposes the way that capitalism and white supremacy has managed to creep its way into a movement that is fundamentally good, but capitalism has creeped its way in and is upholding existing structures of power while using marketing tactics to act as if they're shattering the status quo. So that gets me onto my next point, which is the mainstreaming of the body positivity movement. So I talked to Twitter and asked whether or not people had any criticisms of the body positivity movement. I had responses from all sorts of people, from non-white folks, trans folks, fat folks, disabled folks, and almost everyone spoke of the way that capitalism and marketing, barely challenging the status quo, but have co-opted the language of fat activism and body positivity. But there's Mm -hmm. a whole body of peer-reviewed research around the body positivity movement, and I could have kept reading the findings all day. But as it relates to the aforementioned criticisms of capitalism and the way that the companies have co-opted the language, I found a 2020 paper that attempted to look at the actual diversity of the Instagram body positivity movement, because diversity was definitely another big criticism people had. They still, you know, even even other fat folks, trans folks, non-white folks, they were saying, I don't personally feel represented. And that's something that almost everyone said. 
The paper is titled, Are We There Yet? Progress in Depicting Diverse Images of Beauty in Instagram's Body Positivity Movement. There is evidence to indicate that messages of body acceptance can lead to a reduction in depressive feelings, whereas content of thinspiration and fitspiration are linked to body dissatisfaction, negative mood, and lower self-esteem. So all of this was cited in the paper itself, and so I'm like, cool, all right, that sounds good, body positivity movement sounds good. As for whether or not what we are seeing is genuinely inclusive is a little less certain. This study examined the content of 246 body positive posts from the broad Instagram community. The results of this study did find that overall there was a greater than normal representation of diverse bodies, while themes of inclusion and appreciation of diverse physical appearances was consistent in the examined posts, there were several that contained like contradictory messages of promoting weight loss or the praise of extreme thinness. The authors of this paper did state that there is valid criticism to be made over the inherent importance placed on appearances, even within the body positive movement, it's still very much a visual thing. At a macro level, the body positivity movement may serve quite a few people, but there are gaps in the inclusion of individuals who are from other marginalised groups, such as those with disability, visual differences, or those from racial or ethnic minorities. Kind of to finish off, the paper gave some figures on the types of bodies represented in this sample of 246, and they're as follows. Hmm. When it came to gender, they were using a binary here, I guess. 85% contained a female presenting figure. 3.7% contained a male presenting figure. I'm imagining the the missing numbers are like, ah, I can't tell. (laughs) When it comes to race, 67% of the human figures in this post were Caucasian. 8% were Latinx figures. I don't know if it's a Latinx or Latinx or whatever you say. Latina, Latino. I'll I'll say them all and then I can figure it out later. 7.7% contained an African-American figure. I was going to say, then you find out it's like Latinx. (laughs) I I want it to be that because it's cute. And then 4.5% contained an Asian figure. Sorry, I'm still just laughing at Latinx. (laughs) So even just with those, I'm already seeing, for instance, a lack of indigenous people in that sample. And I also question how it's possible to even code race with decent accuracy. Like I have kind of a question about that alone and who's kind of coding it. But I mean, that's, I guess, a a bigger issue. Yeah, for real. If it's like AI, like sometimes I run my fucking picture through FaceApp and it tells me I'm a dude. So I don't really trust it. Yeah, yeah. So then it came to age. 67% of posts contained people in their 20s, 8.2 in their 30s, and only... 0.8 in their 40s. So we need some older ladies up in here. Body size. 54.9% of the people depicted in these posts were within the normal weight range, which seems consistent with the people who responded to my tweet saying, hey, actually, it seems like sort of average bodies are mostly being shown on Instagram under this hashtag. 25.4% of figures were classified as being obese. 17.3% of people fell into the overweight category and 2.3% of individuals were considered underweight. That's interesting. Probably a higher amount of obese people than I thought. And then finally, beauty ideals. So in this case, we're talking about features that align with dominant Western beauty standards, such as clear skin, shiny hair, white teeth, small waist tone bodies. The researchers found that 78.8% of the human individuals displayed within these body positivity posts on Instagram somewhat embodied culturally based beauty ideals. 
with 26% of them doing so to a great extent, which was kind of, yet again, a complaint of nearly everyone who responded to my tweet, being like, well, these are kind of just really beautiful, slightly chubby women I'm mostly seeing. Yeah. So while it's clear that there's certainly room for improvement in terms of overall diversity of the posts coded 38 percent contained features that did not align with western beauty ideals pretty good these included from most common to least common stomach rolls cellulite stretch marks physical disabilities skin blemishes and sorry old body hair came in at the rarest at only 0.8%. You know, body hair is one of the... The only thing that's, like, really rare that is actually, like, totally normal, as in everyone fucking has it unless you have severe alopecia, but, like, the the top sort of ones at, at, like, look how brave I'm being are things that everyone fucking has. Yes, yes, You know what I yes. mean? Like, that's not even things that are, like, rare skin diseases or things that might be, like traumatic for people to have it's like who doesn't fucking have cellulite like yeah yeah stretch marks like any oh man yeah so that's basically all i found and thought about and mulled over but yeah if you want to go on to yours i'll start off with origins because that was where i started researching basically from what my understanding is that it stemmed out of two separate movements that are related which was the fat acceptance movement and the haze movement which haze is health at every size huh so fa like like fat acceptance uh, it's also known as fat pride fat power fat liberation it dates back to 1967 and it was a social movement to protest against the attitudes towards obesity at the time which apparently was seen as and i quote detrimental to the community via decreasing human efficiency and that obese people interfere with labor productivity oh my god it's a capitalist argument again oh so basically it's like fuck you capitalism we can be fat and still productive like it's nothing to do with yeah so there were like a bunch of marches and stuff back in the 60s relating to that apparently like a bunch of queer black women as well were some of the biggest uh, proponents for it of course as is tradition yeah yeah and also like sidebar some of the fucking hardest working people as well so like double fuck you capitalism anyway So health at every size, however, it was also founded in the 60s, but it was popularized by a person named Lindo Bacon in the early 2000s who wrote a book about it. And there's a lot of criticism towards old Lindo, and I have seen some videos of Lindo and wanted to punch them in the face. So there's a (laughs) debate on the group's actual intent, ethos, whatever. It seems to have been pretty obfuscated over the years, but... My understanding is that it was initially formed as a reaction to, like, eating disorders, preoccupation with food and bodies, self-hatred, discrimination, poor health. It's designed to, like, support people of all sizes in adopting healthy behaviours. Great. Amazing. That sounds really good. Somehow it's become bastardised by bacon, by the internet, by a lot of people into, instead of health at every size healthy at every size which is a small change but a massive mm-hmm. fucking difference that's a huge difference yeah, because basically the intent of it was like hey it's never too late you can always adopt healthy behaviors and instead of focusing on what you weigh and what you look like let's focus on what you do and how you live and as long as your behaviors are healthy everything else will follow you know like your attitude is healthy your behaviors are healthy that doesn't the rest doesn't matter like that's not what we're focusing on right now it'll come mm-hmm. you know and that's brilliant i think that's a really good attitude to have like that also is linked to like intuitive eating and stuff like that 
but it's not healthy at every size. Like that is literally fucking impossible. You know, we've all seen my 500 pound life. Like you cannot be healthy at every size. You can adopt health at every size. You cannot be healthy at every size. Right. So from my understanding, I hear you're saying that health at every size means choosing to do things regardless of your size about sort of just better ways to live yeah to feel as good as you can exactly rather than saying that no you don't have to do anything you can continue whether it's whether it's overeating or whether it's smoking or whether it's alcoholism sweetie you can be healthy or you are healthy at any size like that's what it sounds like like healthy is just a label or an identity that you can just pin on yourself and be it you know, and it's like, as we've already said, it's not a fucking end point. Like, it's not a thing you can just be mm-hmm. like, you know, you don't, you don't get to decide if you're healthy or not. No. And I think that's it. You can decide if you choose to adopt healthy behaviors, but you don't mm-hmm. get to decide the end result. If you're like, you can feel healthy. You might not be healthy if you feel, you know, like it's, yeah. you can never really fucking know. Anyway, that adaptation of it and promoting that attitude of healthy at any size like and I know like some of the biggest criticisms I saw of like people who apparently do that was um fuck what's her name like Tess Tess Holiday. I have a lot to say about her but obesity itself what bothers me is that it's classified as an illness and as an epidemic and I posit that it's not and that Mm. it's a symptom of many different illnesses and a symptom that can actually bore new illnesses but in itself I don't believe that it's an illness like it's not a disease in in the traditional sense mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah. i think that most people who are obese will have other illnesses like mental illnesses or other physical illnesses that has led to their obesity but you don't just like catch obesity like and i know that not all diseases you just catch and i know that there are apparently some genetic proponents to it but it seems that that's pretty murky like the research behind that and they think that it's more like you can have a propensity to it but it's not a guarantee of it so from my understanding of it so before i had my weight loss surgery i read this book why diets make us fat i reckon you could ask most fat people if they've ever been on a diet. I'm almost willing to say with 100% certainty that they've at least been on two, if not more, if not many, many more. And this book kind of went through how, so whether or not you have any sort of genetic thing, we don't even worry about that. The way that our body functions is that uh, if you sort of starve yourself and you lose a lot of weight, your body is literally going to change the way it functions to make sure you put more weight back on and a little bit more. And so if you're doing fat diets every few years and not sort of making, I guess, you know, health at any size, where you're making these long-term lifestyle changes, whether or not they cause you to lose weight, over, over a certain amount of years, you're going to be fat after dieting it makes me so mad because it's like no don't you understand it's the shaving culture that contributes to this so-called epidemic like it's one of the many factors i would argue that almost every woman has been on a diet not just every fat person i actually have trouble thinking of any female friend that has never had some form of disordered eating Mm -hmm. and that's fucked I know we touched on it a little bit last week, so I'll bring this up now before I get into, like, I guess more serious sort of issues. This section I sort of called self-love, narcissism, and performative activism. And basically, like, there's a lot of crossover between body positivity and self-love 
and within that self-love and narcissism (laughs) so it's like where do you sort of draw the line there i know i said last week i talked about the onus um of you know people being responsible for their own positivity on their body like i don't think that should be on them i still agree with that like i think that you know one person shouldn't just have to hashtag a post and be like oh look I love myself now here I am in a bikini I don't care that you can see my cellulite cool but it just seems disingenuous and kind of performative a lot of the time because a lot of the people who are doing that are often like I really question posting this photograph but now Mm -hmm. I'm posting this photo and it's like well why are you posting it dude you don't have to like you know no one cares and no one should care and I think that's the issue is like I don't give a fuck how your body looks and feels and neither should anyone else and unless it's a close friend or a family member or a partner women's bodies shouldn't fucking be up for public scrutiny anymore like I'm so Mm -hmm. fucking sick of it and I'm sick of people thinking that they have to be aligned with that in order to like as in 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 order to feel positive about their body they have to share it you know what I mean it's like do you though like why why do you need affirmation to do that or especially public affirmation it's not just like from people that actually care about you it's this big display of like you know i need to feel validated and i guess like if it's you know if your validation is that depleted sorry i'm just kind of like thinking out loud right now but if your validation is that depleted from years of you know feeling like you're oppressed and then you feel like you have an outlet to do it in a way that feels safe like i can understand that Mm -hmm. but at the same time like it does a lot of the time feel extremely performative to me and doesn't feel genuine so it's just a fine line like self-love versus body positivity versus health whatever the fuck you want to talk about like you can love yourself at any size legit Mm -hmm. like you might not be able to be healthy at any size you can absolutely fucking love yourself at any size and people should but how much you feel that you have to promote that I think needs unpacking and it's like the question you asked is it harmful like are you harming others and it's not in a way that's like I'm personally offended by having to look at fat bodies like I don't fucking care it's like the people that don't feel good about their bodies and they might not even be fat they might be who cares are you comfortable with doing this or do you feel pressured to do this or Mm -hmm. do you think this is what we expect of you it's a hard one because on one hand like I agree like you don't have to put yourself in any position that you don't 100% feel comfortable with but on the flip side I have seen people who post photos of themselves and are genuinely like hey I say body positivity all the time but actually Today I felt like shit, but here's a photo of me anyway, and I've seen responses, fat activists who are like, oh, thank god, I like, they felt like they were being a bad fat activist for having a, a shit day. And I guess it's like, it's still populating a space that only has predominantly, you know, the western beauty standards. Yeah. I guess there's something to be said for posting for the sake of just posting diverse bodies to make sure that they're there. But also, even with the people who are honest about it, like, you don't have to bear everything that you're feeling, even if you do post your body and post nothing with it. Yeah, like, having to justify it. Or it has to be, like, self-deprecating in some way, because then otherwise it might seem too arrogant. And I can't help but think that this comes back to largely women's bodies being scrutinized no matter what you do so it's kind of like i guess none of us are ever gonna fucking win so yeah so do what you fucking want and stop bowing to the pressure of what you feel is expected is i guess the fucking point of that Mm. yeah (laughs) Um, but the, the next thing i wanted to talk about was intersectionality so the intersection of like various minorities because i think a lot of the time with body positivity when we talk about it it gets skewed into fat activism 
um, mm-hmm. instead of you know the all-encompassing bodies bodies of minority groups that have nothing to do with lifestyle or even choices which that's not to say that you know every fat person is that category but you know, anyway so that's like people of color disabled folks trans community and I know I touched on some of that last week in that I really feel that body positivity should focus less on size and more on self-worth and self-esteem and repositioning different bodies into Mm -hmm. the spotlight of this issue, not just fat bodies. I do want to talk particularly about trans bodies right now, um, just because when it comes to body positivity, I think that's something that's a really fragile sort of area um, and something that's really easy to be excluded from if you're a trans person because a large part often with with being trans is not being comfortable in your body so if you're told that you're doing something wrong by not feeling comfortable in your body then where does that leave you and if there's a movement that is supposed to be embracing your body and that's you know the sort of nature of the movement and it's like what about you like if you feel that you're different and you're wrong like your body Mm -hmm. is wrong then yeah where does that leave you and so I read read this article and I'll read some of the parts out from it because I thought it was really fucking good in the article they talked about four different body positive phrases that are really common actually but that exclude trans people and just things that you know we might say that we might want to reconsider and offered alternatives as well which I think is really helpful Mm-hmm. But one of them is your body is already perfect. Oh, jeez, come on. You know, the whole idea of perfection in itself is weird, but basically uh, it doesn't reflect the reality of transgender people. And, you know, if your body is misaligned with who you are, it's not perfect. And that's just not helpful. The, it like, erases struggles of, of trans people, basically. So one of the um, suggestions of what to say instead was, don't let society tell you that your body makes you less than. Fuck yeah. That's so interesting because it's kind of like, instead of saying, hey, I'm ignoring any gender dysphoria you may be having, it's not even commenting on that. It's just being like, hey, like you're still worthy. Mm. The next one was, all bodies are good bodies, oh, um, which is a pretty common one as well. But they were saying like, they don't think their body is a good body. And a lot of trans people don't think their body is a good body in the state that it's in when it's, you know, pre-transition. They said what to say instead is that, all bodies have value, all bodies deserve care. Hell yeah, that's the whole point. Which I feel like the reason I like this article so much is through trying to be intersectional about body positivity, it's actually exactly what body positivity is supposed to be about. You know, yeah, this is through the lens of transness, but it can be about anything. And that's what makes it good. So this one, don't change your body, change your perspective, which I have fucking heard before, I can Uh. tell you. But it says, what to say instead? Riots, not diets. Or, you know, something that says, fuck society's bullshit, you do you. (laughs) I love this person. The next one, there's nothing wrong with your body, there's something wrong with society. Like, I'll read more into this. Like, they said, actually, for some trans people, this isn't the whole truth. Sometimes we may choose to describe our experiences as being born into the wrong body. Sometimes we may describe certain aspects of our body as wrong. Wrong is a word that some of us may use to articulate the sense of alienation and even disgust that we may feel. Not because society told us our bodies are wrong, but because we're experiencing dysphoria. I think that's like, yeah, you know, when someone says there's nothing wrong with your body, it's like, well, wrong is relative. And sometimes it's the only word you can use to articulate that feeling. So, you know, and it could be that like, yeah, there's always something fucking wrong with society. That's a no brainer, but it's not helpful. So what to say instead? 
my body, my rules. That is literally in like a children's consent and body positivity book that we have for Edgar. Amazing. I just love this so much because the alternatives are like just a few words and yet they cut straight to what body positivity I feel should be or is. You can hate it, you can love it, doesn't fucking matter. You, you have your body, so just live with it and like try and avoid other people's judgment of it. That's including your own. You know, you can still be uncomfortable with things and change things, but it's different to like really harsh self-criticism, I think. Yeah. So the last point that I was going to talk about was health and the quote-unquote weight of positivity. So according to Scientific American, there is quote, no such thing as healthy obese. So even if an individual seems to have healthy test results at an obese weight. According to the World Health Organization, they're essentially a ticking time bomb for diabetes, heart disease, stroke, arthritis, the list goes on. So, you know, in saying that, fine, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't feel good within your body at a large size. It doesn't mean you can't look good either. It doesn't mean that you can't Mm -hmm. love yourself. It also doesn't mean that if you live in a different body, like a thin body, that you're fucking immune to health conditions. Like, being thin is no no. fucking guarantee (laughs) that people are healthy. It's just that obese people have to wear their symptom. So they don't have the benefit, like if you even want to call it that, of an invisible illness. They can't butt out their cigarette Mm -hmm. and spray some cologne around like a smoker. Like, it's a really fucking difficult symptom Mm -hmm. to mask because it's on display and people as a whole are really fucking judgmental. They're so hostile about it. Yeah, and like, people think that it's their fucking right to say something, which just like, shut your fucking mouth. That's what I want to say. To so many people, it's just like zip it, Doctor Evil style, mm-hmm. just like zip, zip, zippy long suckings, like fucking zip <laughs> it. You know, thinness does not equal health, and I will say, like, some of my thinnest friends are the most unhealthy. Hello. <laughs> and I mentioned earlier, like, anorexia has the highest death toll of any mental illness. Mm. And on top of this, like, fucking depression, you know, like, there's so many things that are so much more unhealthy, like, than just being fat. Like, of all the things, it's not even the fucking sole cause of all that. Like, we got to fucking die of something. And, like, obviously, yeah, it's hugely Mm -hmm. problematic when it's, like, lower income, you know, families and people that don't have resources and don't have access to Mm -hmm. education about nutrition and things that are hugely preventable. But when it's someone who's just, like, you know, this is just my body, like, like it's so convoluted. And it's, like, so many people be like, oh, but it's putting such a... It's putting such a toll on the healthcare system. And it's like, are you complaining about people with, again, mental health conditions, pregnancy? Like, what, what, why is it just fat people yeah. that you have an issue with using universal healthcare? Not that I want you to be complaining about it at all, but like, um, it's very, it's very specific. Because it's like, well, they're choosing and they're morally bad and they don't deserve it. And I feel like smokers are actually far worse in terms of the burden they put on the health system. But it's like, what, if you're a thin smoker, it's fine. Right. And it's also like, yeah, okay, smokers may put more of a burden on the healthcare system. Okay. I would not ever dare to imply that they don't deserve to, A, smoke, like that's up to them, B, 
that they're morally bad for doing it and C, that they don't deserve to access the healthcare and that, that if they die from an illness that is or is not caused by them smoking, that they deserve it. Like, I'm never going to do any of those. So why the fuck would you do it to a fat person? Exactly. And also it's like, yeah, you could categorize it as their choice. You could also categorize it as their addiction the same way you can with obesity. So it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it could be their choice. It could be a food addiction. Who's to fucking say it's none of our fucking business. Also, how many illnesses would be, you know, attributed to that just because with every fucking illness in a fat person, the doctor's like, well, it's your obesity. So it's yes. really fucking hard to know like how much it actually accounts for. So for instance, I have my, have my cholesterol taken. My results came back that they were not where they should be. Still going through the tests. Basically, it could very well be a genetic thing. But to like kind of suss that out, I was talking to my mom because if I'm going to have this genetic thing, then my mom basically has to have this genetic thing. Mm. And yeah, she has chronically bad cholesterol and stuff and all these other symptoms that align with this genetic thing, despite the fact my mum also had this weight loss surgery and is like the thinnest she's been. Yeah. But because she is, I think she might be slightly in the overweight category, they did not even do any further testing. They just straight up said you need to walk more, which my mum has fucking arthritis. Yeah. Um, they just say diet and exercise. And it seems like this might actually fucking be a genetic thing where she needs to go, like we would both need to go on medication straight away. Otherwise it can dock 40 years off your life. Fucking hell. Perfect example. It's another fucking bullshit case of like, because you're thin, they actually try and search for a solution. But with your mum, they're just like, nah, it's cause you're fat. It's just not even fat. It makes me so mad. It's just like, you have like two kilos to shift. So, you know last point that I wanted to make about this and I think it's worth talking about and it's worth something that everyone should fucking unpack on this is that the reason I believe that everyone is so fucking personally offended and bothered by fat people and fat people in a way where they decide it's their responsibility for it to be their business yes. like someone else's body to be their business and to be invested in that is because they're not attracted to it and they think, especially with women, that they think that, like, you know, you are here for my enjoyment, you are here for my perversion or my fucking ocular appetite, and if I find you displeasing, there's a problem. Women don't fucking exist and people don't fucking exist just to be attractive. So, A, fuck you. B, being fat is no guarantee that you're not attractive. And C, fuck you. And I think yeah. it's a huge reason as to why people put so much emphasis on it is that being attractive in our society is viewed as the most fucking important thing there is. If you're not mm -hmm. viewed as in this very narrow, very white, very thin, and I say this as a thin white person, you know, if you're not viewed in that way, you're treated like shit. Oh, yes, you are. And you know, man, like you've been on both sides of this shit. Like, as uh -huh. in, you know, you've been treated differently according to your size. You know how it fucking lies. And it's bullshit. People don't give a shit about giving you health advice unless you're a very extreme end of the thin spectrum. Otherwise, it, it just goes if, as if, like, no one notices. Like, no one even gives it a second fucking thought if you're attractive. You know, it's it's suddenly their their business and they're entirely up your ass if you're like 10 kilos overweight. When I was fat, people made it so obvious that they weren't attracted to me. I just want to be a floating orb. That's all I want. I want to be like Futurama style, like just like fucking in a jar. So last week you'd said you felt the body positivity movement was positive. Yes. How do you sit on that hill now? Even more so, but like 
in sort of a new and radicalized way. Mm -hmm. So my hill is yes, of course, uh, shedding ourselves of phobias and judgments surrounding bodies that don't conform to Western ideals of beauty. That is an inherently good thing. It's incredibly easy to make arguments against body positivity that sound as though they hold water, but under scrutiny, they usually don't hold up. The same rhetorical moves that can be used to undermine other forms of activism are often used against the body positivity movement. And it's important to spot them in our own conversations. And there are plenty of resources that are accessible online that can help break these arguments down. If you're a thin person who doesn't feel included in the body positivity movement, that's okay. To bring up how you don't feel included within discussions around fatness is discomfort about the conversation not being around you and or feelings of guilt that may spring up. Just like in other movements, you don't need to feel guilty. You just need to be an ally and to understand that you may hold some privilege where other people don't. So ultimately, I've learned that asking whether or not the body positivity movement is actually positive isn't really a helpful question. So from here on out, I'm going to be asking myself what I can do to be a better ally to not only fat people, but to trans people, people with visual differences, of course, to my non-white pals, and how I can help shift the mainstream movement into one that's more intersectional. And I want to make sure that I'm lifting up voices that are talking about body positivity that aren't marketing to me. What about you, Kara? You started off yes in theory and no in practice. So I would like to know where you are now. I think I my no in practice was probably just from viewing it through a really limited scope um, of what I was exposed to online because it's not something I actively follow it's not something I actively yeah. look into I have always felt excluded from for various reasons for people that don't know like obviously I'm a thin person I am also I wouldn't call myself trans but I do have gender dysphoria to a point that affects how I view my body and it affects my relationship with my body and so that is always something that I've never felt particularly positive about my body you know probably until recently recent years actually of like coming to terms with a lot of that um and even then it's like you know a fragile relationship at best but diving deeper into it and understanding different perspectives of it and how people are actually being you know practitioners of it in how it was actually intended and I think that it's actually a lot closer to that than what I thought and I think if it's wielded in that way it's actually hugely positive and can be really beneficial and even like noticing you know various like online clothing brands and stuff using a variety of models and shapes and sizes I think we talked about that a bit last week yeah like that in itself is something that's so fucking simple that is what I want to see more of because that's what people are and I think yeah like that level of positivity and just like not fucking judging people like we do so much of it I think that's an important part and something that you know from this week I you know we talk about things that we change our minds on or want to try and change on and I think it's something that I, I'm aware of how much I do it because I do it so much within myself um, mm-hmm. so obviously it just sort of like spills out a bit sometimes into other people and it's something that I don't like about myself and I think that's another you know important point on like self-love and body positivity and even just like you know your relationship with yourself and the positivity you have about who you are but you know not loving parts of yourself whether they're physical or psychological or whatever isn't always an unhealthy thing like I think that uh you know it gives you stuff to improve and to me like I think I was worried that I thought that body positivity and self-love was just kind of throwing a band-aid on a much broader problem and then just giving up when in reality it's like no if it's done properly and it's done thoroughly 
everyone could really benefit from it. It just has to be intersectional, and I guess that's the that's the difference. The fact that like back in the '60s, this was a radical grassroots movement of workers. I love that so much. You know, if you're ever going to address marginalization and oppression on such a large macro level, there has to be radical thought in it. It, it can't just be hashtags. Yeah, I'm excited to to continue to be an ally. Thank you for chatting with me, Kara, and thank you for listening, dear listeners. So until next time, you can find us on Twitter at a hill to die on pod. You can like us on Facebook at a hill to die on. Our website is a hill to die on pod. Our Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash a hill to die on pod. You can shoot us an email at hill to die on pod at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at a hill to die on pod. All right. See ya. Bye.